Hey there, I'm Colin Weston, host of the Mod Golf Podcast. We just finished up season three a couple of weeks ago, and our team is working hard developing the next 12 episodes for season four, which launches on May 22nd. As I look back on season three, I consider this batch of engaging episodes to be the turning point for the Mod Golf Podcast. We heard some amazing stories from a diverse group of guests who discussed how technology, entertainment experiences, music, celebrity, hospitality, and community building combined to intersect and shape the future of golf. If you didn't have a chance to listen to all 12 of our season three episodes, here's a recap of the great conversations I had over the past three months. On season three, episode one, I spoke to Sal Sied, CEO and co-founder of Arcos Golf. Arcos is a big data analytics and artificial intelligence company that is creating a paradigm shift in the way golfers at every level improve their game performance. The future of golf is data. When you look at the scorecard, I mean, it started with data. Like literally the scorecard in golf looks like an Excel spreadsheet, except it was created 500 years ago. The data we're collecting is certainly going to help golfers get better. There's no doubt about that. We see it. Our average user improves 3.55 shots in the season. That was for 2017. And probably way more likely to have a hole in one. And then beyond that, this data is going to help the entire golf industry. When you think about today, a couple examples, when you look at golf instruction, it's not very data centric where it needs to be. Uh, and the reason is because teachers don't have that data, but imagine an experience where it's turned upside down on the head, where today the instructor has to ask you to take a swing and then it's like, okay, this is what we need to work on. But in the future, they're going to look at your performance on the course and that's going to determine what you're going to work on. So it's literally the opposite. Not the range is going to determine what you do on the course, but the course determines what you do on the range. And I think that paradigm shift is going to happen because of this data. Turning the golf training experience upside down on its head through advanced analytics. Sal isn't just saying it, Arcos is doing it. We've learned how the Arcos game improvement tracking system transforms all 14 clubs in your bag into smart, connected pieces of hardware that brings the internet of things to the golf industry. Embed their small data collecting sensors in the butt of each of your club grips and you're ready to go. To find out more about what Sal and his passionate team of innovators are up to, go to www.arcosgolf.com. That's A-R-C-C-O-S-Golf.com. On our next episode, I met with Dean Rainmuth, known as the Dean of Golf, who is one of golf's innovation pioneers. Spanning more than four decades, Dean's entrepreneurial career covers the entire industry spectrum from product design and teaching videos to becoming a media personality on the Golf Channel. Dean shared some inspirational stories that showcase his unrelenting curiosity, tenacity, and passion that drives him to keep innovating and experimenting to help grow the game he loves. Sometimes the idea that you have is so far ahead of where the public is, you can't get them there quick enough and they just can't see it yet. But as life evolves and time goes by a little at a time, we never believed in cell phones, then internet, then it's video through the phone. So if you would have said to somebody in 1970 that you would be talking on a cell phone and the person on the other side should see you while everyone else is sending out postcards to each other in 14 days, they'd put you in the nut house. Even though the idea is great, the issue is, is it's too early. Electric cars, driverless cars, you think of all these things. And if you'd done that many, many years, ago, they probably would have thought you were a witch and burned you at the stake. So it's something I always look at and say, well, does the idea have merit? So I had an idea for an instructional video in 1977, and everybody thought I was, I was nuts. I said, no, I think that could work. And nobody would get behind it. I spent years trying to get some foothold. And then I thought, gee, how am I going to get it to the market? So I realized that you have to think about how you're going to take something to the market first. 
not after you already spent all your time, money, and effort to build something because you don't know if it's going to sell. Think about how you're going to take something to the market first. I wish Dean had told me that 12 years ago as I was building my first innovative product that was way too early for customer adoption. That would have saved me a lot of effort, pain, and money. My episode three guest was Dr. Michael Cooper, director of the Golf 2020 Diversity Task Force. Many people and organizations have talked for years about growing the game by connecting with underrepresented groups and minorities, but Dr. Cooper truly makes this happen. Through Golf 2020, he is one of the passionate linking agents that empowers community leaders with the tools and resources needed to actually make a difference regarding diversity and inclusion in golf. The face of America is changing by 2040. The face of America will be more minority than the majority. But I tell the example of my 24-year-old son. He's grown up in a diverse environment. He's grown up in technology. His world has always been that way. They live in the world we're talking about is changing. The reality is it's already changed. In his world, it's the only world he knows. Us old heads are still talking about it's changing, but the reality is we already live in a different world. Golf has to catch up. Golf is 35 years behind this change that we're talking about. And if golf doesn't get intentional about making the change and making the change is going to take some resources, then it's still going to be stuck 35 years behind the world that has already changed. We need to fast track this thing. If it's ever going to be the great game that we love, if it's ever going to be a game that's open to all demographics, we've got to change now. This little slow tracking that we're doing and throwing crumbs at it, it's not going to change like that. We got to giddy up and make a change right away. Giddy up and make a change right away. I love that line. As you can hear, Dr. Cooper does not mince words when it comes to creating an inclusive golf landscape, and he has the resources and the resolve to make it happen. On our fourth episode of season three, I spoke with Pete Charleston, who is the co-founder and president of Golf Logics. Early on during the creation of Golf Logics, Pete asked many recreational players, would golf be more fun if you can read the greens like a pro, know exactly how approach shots will roll and how putts will break? The initial feedback validated Pete's assumption and now over 4 million app downloads say the answer is emphatically yes. I spoke with Pete to learn about their culture of constant experimentation and entrepreneurial passion that has led to the creation of their latest innovative app product called Putt Breaks. Well, I didn't know what I was doing. So I was just learning how to play the game. <laughs> and one of the guys that I played with was a pretty good golfer. He was a five or six. And I kept going, what club do I hit? What club do I hit? And frustrated that you didn't have any kind of a tool, specifically a digital tool, to help you learn the game faster and give you feedback based on what you actually do in the golf course. I really think that the future is real bright for golf. And we were fortunate enough to get acquired by Immigrant Capital out of New York about three years ago. And, and Mr. Milstein heads up that group. And Mr. Milstein is investing heavily in the golf space. I mean, he really, really believes that it's really undervalued right now and that this is indeed a great game. And it's all these little things to help people get to that learning curve a little more quickly. If you get past that start, you just get hooked, start breaking 100, start breaking whatever that goal is for you and where you're really, truly having fun out there, there is no reason that you won't play this game until you literally can't walk anymore. And that's what I plan on doing. I'm incredibly excited about the golf future. What I loved about my conversation with Pete is his unrelenting desire to constantly learn, improve, and create new products and experiences. I have a feeling we'll be talking to Pete again on a future episode to talk about his next disruptive golf innovation. For episode five, we switched our focus back to growing the game and the golf industry through community building. 
I sat down with Sandy Cross, Senior Director of Diversity and Inclusion for the PGA of America, to discuss the cultural transformation that is taking place there. Sandy spearheads the PGA's effort to move the golf needle regarding both the participation rate and industry career opportunities for underrepresented communities and cultures. We've spent, as an industry, we've spent decades focused on diversifying the participatory side of the game. But we need to add to our focus the workforce side of the game and start to diversify that. Because under the idea of if you can see it, you can be it, we need young women and young people of color to see others working in the game and working in the business if they are going to consider it as a career path. If you can't see anyone that looks like you having a successful career in this industry, it's unlikely that you're going to aspire to take up a career in the business of golf. I had the pleasure of seeing Sandy present at the PGA show earlier this year and immediately knew she would be a great fit for the Mod Golf podcast. As Sandy says, diversity is being invited to the party, but inclusion is being asked to dance. The following week for episode 6, Alex Myers, Golf Digest senior writer and host of the Grind video series, joined me for a lively conversation about the future of golf. Since May of last year, when we officially launched the loop, we actually go beyond golf, which has really opened it up for me and a lot of our writers as well. Now I can just write something, not worry about the golf angle, because the loop is not golf specific, but what golfers would talk about throughout a round. We focus on sports, pop culture, TV, movies, viral videos that are going around, just things that people are talking about. So that gives us a real wide variety to write about and discuss. And so the grind is one of the anchor columns and of the loop, but it certainly paved the way, at least for me, to get into writing about things that aren't just strictly serious golf. Alex shared his thoughts with me regarding golf innovation from the unique vantage point where he sits as a golf media influencer. Alex has a simple philosophical approach to his work, which is to expand golf's fan base by not taking the game too seriously. Would you golf more if you only had to pay for the number of holes that you play? During episode seven, I sat down with Pascal Stoltz, CEO of Eagle Pay, who is embedding an Uber-like experience into their app that benefits both golf course operators and the golfers who populate their fairways. Well, I think golf will evolve, and I think there's a lot of different things that we're learning from a lot of players, and hopefully we can be one of those actors into golf transformation. We're hearing all those discussions about how far should the golf ball go? How do we make golf more fun? So I think there's a lot of flux in the way golf is being reflected upon. The rules are being simplified. The game is being simplified. And at the end of the day, the one thing that it all points to is time. Time is of the essence in the American lifestyle and Canadian lifestyle and every lifestyle around the world. And allowing people to play for the time that they have, the game that they love, is something that is going to be critical. And hopefully we're going to be an actor, a voice, and part of that conversation. I stumbled upon the Eagle Pay booth at the PGA show and realized very quickly that they have the opportunity to unlock a golf market segment that struggles with finding the time to play the game they love. On this episode, Pascal shared with me how Eagle Pay has created and are scaling up a frictionless golf experience that was first tested on European golf courses and is now refined for the US market. Episode 8 gave me the opportunity to speak with Top Golf Media President Yusheng Cheng. Yusheng leads an innovative group of visual storytellers that extends the Top Golf message to showcase charitable community building, food, music, entertainment, and sport to create a unique lifestyle brand unlike any other. 
the beauty of it is that innovation has always been in the DNA of Topgolf. From the very beginning, everyone has always asked ourselves, how do we do things differently? And what's beautiful is I've been brought into this culture and really just try to help nurture it. Everyone from Bayhost through the operators all the way to marketing and, and even sales, we all think about how to innovate and do things better. And we truly have a startup type culture and it is really celebrated. The main concepts that we hold ourselves by is that we really do want to bring things to market. We just don't want to talk about them. That's not enough. What we want to do is we want to find the minimum viable product, get it to market, test it, iterate it, and make it better every single time. And that speed to market and speed of iteration is extremely key to us. And our board, our investors, and our management allow for that to happen. There's a good, healthy amount of managed chaos within the business, and that is good. Managed chaos. I can relate to that, as Topgolf sounds a bit like the ModGolf podcast as we scrambled to meet our deadlines and published our latest weekly episode. What resonated most for me during my conversation with Yu Sheng was his willingness to open up and address how difficult, unglamorous, and lonely the entrepreneurial life can sometimes be. Yu Sheng's honesty about his own trials and tribulations, combined with his empathy and compassion for the toll entrepreneurship can take on a person, revealed the strength of his character both as a person and as a leader. The following week for episode 9, we tried something new by interviewing two guests at once, which resulted in an amazing conversation. I spoke with Tajma Brown and Rachel Maybe from PGA Works about the PGA's initiative to attract and nurture diverse talent to ensure a strong future for the golf industry. PGA Works is part of PGA Reach, the charitable foundation of the PGA of America, where Tajma is one of the first two PGA Works fellowship interns, and Rachel is the program specialist. We talked about how the PGA Works Fellowship aspires to be a unique opportunity for recent college graduates from diverse backgrounds to acquire valuable experience in the golf industry. Tajma shared with me the profound impact the fellowship placement has made on her career development. I wanted to get into the sports industry and I never had a lane in mind. It was never, oh, I'm going to work in basketball. Oh, I'm going to work in the NFL. I knew that I wanted to work in sports and they knew that because of where I'm from, There weren't many opportunities for me to work in professional sports like I want to. So they knew that I had to keep my eyes open and keep my options open so that I can make it to where I was trying to go. And while golf wasn't on my radar growing up, it's a lot of fun talking to the kids at the tournaments, talking to their parents, building those relationships. It's it's humbling because... They teach me stuff, and you would think that me being the older one out there, as far as the kids are concerned at least, that it would be the other way around, but I like what the golf industry is offering me right now. It sounds like Tajma has now found the professional sports lane she was looking for, and the golf industry is better off because of it. Episode 10 gave me the chance to sit down with entrepreneur Dave Cavosa, founder and CEO of Caddy Now. Dave shared how he addressed the pain points of caddying by looking at other successful industries to help eliminate the barriers to growth. We're looking at one of the great traditions of the game is walking with a caddy. And we're trying to bring it back using a little bit of technology and not destroy the game of golf in the process. We're trying to reinforce the game of golf and bring a whole new crew of people into the game that might not have otherwise been exposed or invited into it. So I've heard people call it generous orthodoxy. I just call it using technology to bring back tradition. It's very fair to say it's a passion project. I had a pretty successful first half of my career here in D.C. in the defense and telecommunications world. 
And I had the benefit, Colin, of coming into golf and having no golf industry experience whatsoever other than being a passionate golfer and loving caddies. So I didn't know the 150 reasons why this wouldn't work. And I was told those 150 reasons on a regular basis by people from the golf industry. I wish it for everyone that you can have the ignorance that I had coming in because it just allows you to push forward and say, no, I know the right way to do this. I can see it. I think the golf industry is slowly coming to the same realization that I had several years ago. Well, if ignorance is a superpower, Dave is definitely an entrepreneurial superhero. Hearing Dave's passion for the work he's doing along with the tenacity, courage, empathy, and curiosity he brings to the table was very inspiring. On episode 11, Dr. Christopher Kane shared his thoughts on the future of golf and the influence Simon Sinek's The Power of Why has on his approach to culture building and leadership within the golf industry. Although Chris's lifelong love for golf has led to keynote speaking engagements and recognition as one of golf's top academic influencers, his biggest joy is the inspiration and insights he draws from his students and staff as director of the PGA Golf Management Program at UNLV, the University of Las Vegas, Nevada. So we're really excited about the alum of the program and the students we're able to attract because of the hard work of our alum and pursuing excellence. That creates a nice culture. When students step on campus here, they're expecting something special and they're getting it. And in return, they're turning into very special people as well. We have such a great opportunity to be working in industry in the leisure world where people come to the course with a smile on their face and hopefully they leave with a smile on their face. And we're part of that experience. We're not on an operating table and figuring out life or death. We're not in a courtroom. We're in an environment where people want to have fun and where people want to be around other people and enjoy the healthy aspects the game brings and the healthy socialization the game can bring. And I think that's the attitude that we need to focus on moving forward. It's less of the technical stuff. It's less of the hard stuff. And it's more of the soft stuff. And I think, again, that's where the hospitality management focus really applies in our industry. I agree with that. It's more about the soft stuff. This approach is how Chris has created a golf education culture that is different, daring, and diverse. We wrapped up season three with our final episode featuring Dennis Rydell, co-founder of Chef's Cut Real Jerky. I was introduced to Dennis and his business partner, Chef Blair Swiler, at the PGA show, where they had transformed a golf friendship into a deliciously innovative business model. Our conversation is all about innovation in the food space and its connectivity to the golfer's experience. I learned how a couple of golf buddies combined their culinary and entrepreneurial talents to create a high-protein, preservative-free snack line that rethinks what you eat at the turn. The first couple of years were tough. We were both still caddying at the time, and really the biggest challenge we faced from day one was finding the right manufacturer. Everyone wanted to do it their way, the way they, they always made jerky. And we said, well, we've got a little different process. We've got a few different things that we do. And we finally found a great partner that we have in Michigan. They're still great brand partners to us that make the product for us. It was a slow grow the first couple of years. And like anything, it's pushing a, a, like a snowball downhill. It just really builds quick. And it's amazing in the, in the food space. Everyone's got to eat. So when someone likes your product and they get behind it, they tell their friends, their friends buy it, and they continue to buy it. And it really, the momentum picks up. So the last two to three years, it's just been unbelievable. But luckily, those early days, we were able to, like you said, figure everything out, put the foundation in place, have the, the parameters set. And really, it's been fun the last two, three years to watch it grow as fast as it has and watch everything happen. So there you have it. 12 unique, diverse, compelling conversations that we had over the last couple of months during season three of the Mod Golf podcast. I hope you enjoyed these little snippets that I provided you here that you'll now go back and have a listen to one or all of these episodes. 
You can find all of our Season 3 episodes, and Season 2 and Season 1 for that matter, at our show website at www.mod.golf. And if iTunes is your preferred way to listen to podcasts, you can find the Mod Golf Podcast there also. So the last couple of weeks, we have been developing and planning Season 4, and we're very excited to get this going. We already have our 12 guests booked, and we'll be on location to cover events for three of our Season 4 episodes. In a week's time, we'll be releasing our first episode of Season 4, which is my coverage of National Golf Day from Washington, D.C. I had the opportunity to catch up with some of our previous guests while I was there, and I also met quite a few new golf innovators, some who are going to be guests on this upcoming season. One of the people I met while I was there you may already be familiar with, and that is golf ambassador and social media influencer Paige Sporanek. I look forward to my interview with Paige, as she has a personal and entrepreneurial story that will surprise and inspire you. In a couple weeks' time, we'll be on location to cover a Women's Golf Day event, where I'll have a chance to hear the stories from the women and girls that are participating in the event. And lastly, I wish to welcome our title sponsor for Season 4, which is Golf Tech. Golf Tech has been an amazing supporter of the Mod Golf Podcast over the last few months, and we are excited to launch a partnership with them. So during Season 4, you can look forward to hearing some stories from Golf Tech, and we will be running some promotions and contests, giving you the chance to win some amazing Golf Tech experiences and products. So now that golf season is in full swing, I'm going to stop talking, I'm going to grab my clubs and go out and play around. You should do the same, but hey, listen to a podcast episode or two first. I'm Colin Weston. Thanks for listening to the Mod Golf Podcast, and I look forward to you joining us for season four.